Welcome to Jesus Smart, the podcast, and I am really excited today to have with us somebody that I met about seven months ago, was it, Craig? Craig Greatman is with me, and we met in Orlando, right, Craig? We did. It was in October, brother, so yeah, it's been a while. Oh, it's been October. Uh, okay. And uh, we met with the esteemable Frank Viola, which yeah. first time I actually met him in person, we were in like a ministry mind group together. And mm-hmm. it's always exciting to get in a room with Frank. His content, if you know his content, his writing and his teaching, it's very, um, shall we say, edgy or, or um, you know, aggressive a little bit, which I love. I, I love his writings. And he's come out with his new book, Insurgents. We encourage you to listen to his podcast. Go to your favorite listening option and just search for Insurgents, sort of a companion podcast to his book. He just makes, He's doing a great job of asking great questions that I think Christians, uh, we all do. We, he does us, us all a great service by helping us to... To act, to, to ask questions that might 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 help sand off the rough edges, as you would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, much needed in the body of Christ. I super appreciate him. Hope he's listening to this episode. We're going to send him the link to this episode because we're like alumni of his ministry. Yeah, mind. right. I know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Very we're, cool. That's that's yeah. that's right. Hey, before we get into your bio, because it's always super to hear a little bit about the story of who we have on the episode and their background. Let me just ask you a, a teaser question. I know we're going to touch on this today. You know, what is your sense? What do you feel are some leading edges that that the Holy Spirit may be breathing on right now in the church, maybe in America, and if you have any sense, even internationally? But on a personal basis, a corporate basis, what do you feel some of those leading edges might be? Well, I, I, I'm thinking more and more and, and being moved more and more by the, by the idea of the word mine, uh, M-I-N-E, uh, just r- trying to figure out why... Uh, I mean, I know why in terms of the fall, but I, I'm, I'm just in our in our sin and all that. But I am really moved by helping myself and others to let go of the concept of this is my church. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is where I go to to get what I want, uh, and 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 trying to see if there's the word ecumenical can be a very dangerous word, especially if you're talking about doctrine. Uh, but but at the same time, it's a really important word for the church because right now I think we're looking more and more. Uh, I mean, there's thousands thousands of denominations throughout the world. Sure is uh, thousands of little pockets of people calling themselves Christian who uh, will defer uh, to their own little fiefdom as opposed to looking for ways to be unified. Um, and, and, and that is, I think, does some violence to the body of Christ and to Christ himself. And so I'm, I'm, I'm praying about this. I'm finding ways to look to see how I can be part of the solution. Uh, if there is a solution prior to Christ's return, uh, if we can, you know, if we're supposed to help at all with that. Uh, I, I just I, I hate seeing Christians uh, my, my of my ilk or any other that want to find reasons to disagree so so that we have to, so we have to get our, do our own thing, and I just think that's increasing. Uh, whether you're talking about house church, whether you're talking about uh, launching another church or planting a church, a lot of the motivation when we sit in in our own prayer closets, I believe, is because of uh, some way I was hurt by a church or something I didn't like about a church. Uh, so I'm going to go do my thing as opposed to how do I get over the hump of disagreeing with something, something yet knowing that we, someone's disagreeing with me too, mm. but we're still brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's so much at stake. I mean, we'll, we'll come to this as we talk, but like I think of the New Testament dynamic, the New Testament word koinonia that mm-hmm. we see like repetitively in the book of Acts, it, it, it means unity, it means partnership, it means fellowship. And it seems that the Holy Spirit really looks to Koinonia as a landing strip for his power and his activity, and there's so much at stake there, but we'll come to that. Let me tell you about Craig, though. I appreciate him. He's currently serving as the lead pastor of a church. Are you ready for this? This ain't your mama's church, okay, in <laughs> Merced, California, which Craig tells me is near Yosemite Park, right? So it's yes. an incredibly beautiful part of the world. He's been planting churches since 2011 and working as a pastoral counselor since 2008. Currently, he's working on his doctorate of divinity through Masters International University of Divinity, and he's researching the reasons 
that many Christians are choosing to gather collectively in smaller, more like niche groups, right, Craig? Homogenized yeah. context yeah. And, and instead of the corporate unity that Craig's already alluding to and, and how this impacts the church Catholic, Catholic meaning universal in the general sense here, as well as individual relationships with Christ and his body. So, and, and you have a master's degree. Is it from, was it from Liberty University? Correct. Yeah. What was that? A master yeah. of divinity, yeah. and then um, yes, and yeah. then and then where pastoral you, counseling. Pastoral counseling, and then where did you do your bachelor's work at? It, at Liberty as well. Oh, okay, yeah. fantastic. Okay, so um, yeah, Craig, but but just tell us a bit about your family. I know you got a beautiful young family with some beautiful young children, a lovely wife, and a little bit about your interests and hobbies and pursuits. Yeah, well, I, so my primary interest, my primary ministry, my primary love is my family. I, I do have an awesome wife. We've been married uh, since January 1st of 2005, okay. and uh, we have two beautiful little daughters, uh, absolutely miracles of God. We were told five, uh, nine years into our marriage that we probably would never have children, um, and then we have, uh, we now have a almost five-year-old little girl, Zoe. She'll be five on April 28th, and Haya. Our second, uh, she just turned one on January 10th of this year, and they are awesome. They are wonderful. I, man, I love my, my love my little girls. And, oh yeah, uh, wonderful. Yeah. And and we have four daughters ourselves, so we understand that dynamic of of girls. I <laughs> I, I know what Zoe means. It means life. But what does Haya mean? I'm curious. So so Zoe is life in he, in he, in uh, Greek, and Haya is life in Hebrew. Ah, wonderful. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Got the old, yeah. got the old and New Testament language exactly. covered there. Yeah. Wonderful. So now you're a biker, right, Craig? I am in in the in in some sense of the word, I guess. I'm, I mean, I'm a biker in that I love to ride motorcycles and bicycles. So okay, uh, yeah, yeah, I love I love it. And I love being on two wheels, and uh, I have for for most of my life. So, uh, but in terms of uh, being patched or having some c- connection to an organization. Uh, I really haven't done that much, but I've had, you know, I've, I've rubbed elbows with a lot of guys and gals who are in clubs and things like that. Okay. So, and you're a Harley yeah. guy, right? You're a Harley guy, obviously. Yeah, I am now. Certainly as I get older, they're a lot nicer to ride. Uh, I haven't always been. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. And so this, this church that you're currently pastoring, it's a brand new pastorate that you've just come into, um, this ain't your mama's church. This, this, this is a biker's church, correct? It is. Yes, we are. They are a community biker church here in Central California and uh, really a wonderful expression of the gospel. The, the, the person who started this church uh, back in, I think it was 2007, uh, who unfortunately, sadly died of cancer a little bit earlier than everybody expected mm. four years into his plant. Uh, his name was Pastor Huge and Pastor Huge uh, writing. He was uh, a guy who just had a heart for bikers in the biker community, the one percenters and, and really reaching into that group because no one really was doing that uh, to share the gospel. Let's get back to this idea about the leading edges that you feel the Holy Spirit is breathing on right now. You're saying that really countering this idea of like the church is about me, it's my church, and a lot Mm -hmm. of uh, like fragmentation, right, in the church, Um, doing things the way we want to do it or thinking that maybe we're... We can't seem to get over the hump of uh, working through something in a previous church, so we start our own church, or however that may 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 manifest. Um, just since the Protestant Reformation, you know, we celebrated the 500-year anniversary just a couple years ago, 2017, and we would believe that many things are being restored to the church since that time over those five centuries. Um, do you have any thoughts on that in relation to this topic of the edges the Holy Spirit may be pushing on right now? Well, I, I do think that the, the church is always, or at least ought to be, always reforming. I think it depends on where we live, the, the context for that. We, you know, in America, uh, we seem to have uh, come to some sort of a plateau in terms of what we're getting uh, with regard to liturgy. And, you know, you have your uh, less, ecu- less uh, liturgical churches, more liturgical churches, but pretty much— we have the same kind of thing um, in every box that we go to. Uh, what's going on in each church? I, that's my opinion. So you know, I, I don't think. At the same time, we have a lot of people sharing a lot of ideas 
and those ideas are accessible. We have the internet and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, I think the church is always reforming at least a little bit, and that some of those reformations we won't see in our lifetime, but will carry into the next generation. Uh, my hope is that as guys like uh, Alan Hirsch and um, uh, guys like Jeff Vanderstelt, uh, Hugh Halter, these men, and even Frank Viola, who've who've come in and started. I think they've caused a bit of a reformation with regard to how we look at uh, consumer church, right? They, there, there's, there is that there is that thing that, that in, at least for me and the guys that I run with, um, we're looking at is this movement to to make the church to bring the church back to Christ and to bring Christ back into the church? Is is that a real re- reforming movement? Um, and I, my hope is that it is. I think that we've gone to a real business model, particularly with the larger yeah. uh, churches, you know, and so uh, mega churches. And there's a place for mega churches. I'm not. I, I hope that I'm never sound condescending or, or, or that I'm, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, trying to mm-hmm. to be harmful to any mm-hmm. of those contexts. Uh, however, it's e- it is easy kind of to critique and look, you know, look into it from a from an objective perspective and say what what's really going on there because we can watch the Christians come out of those boxes that we call churches and have absolutely zero impact on what's really going on in uh, on the streets of their city and in, in the cultures that we live. Okay. And so what's why is that happening? And it does that have anything to do with this self-centeredness that uh, is, is an uh, epidemic, I think, as a human being, as a fallen human being, it's an epi- uh, epidemic. But how is that proliferated in the, into the tr- in the church because that's what we we ought to be about Jesus not about ourselves right yeah ab- yeah absolutely now i mean uh you i, I think there's something like 35,000 or 40,000 denominations you know globally a tremendous like throughout the protestant reformation a tremendous proliferation and and and, and fragmentation if we could use that word yeah um, you know m- many times legitimately gathering around a doctrine that's been lost and, mm-hmm. and so they gather around that as a nucleus to restore that doctrine or that practice. Other times, I'm sure, I would, I would surmise that some, pro, some denominations have been formed from less, for less noble motives, you know, uh, selfish ambition or, or just something that perhaps wasn't quite, quite necessary. But there's been this proliferation. Do you feel that like in the West and maybe especially in the American context, there's a real tradition of individualism, you know, and... Uh, you've touched on the CEO concept, like the corporate nature of the church. Um, what about that? I mean, we're highly individualistic in the West compared to some other cultures, aren't we? Yeah, I, I think so. I have, you know, I have a very limited perspective on inner, on global missions and international missions. So I have to be honest about that. I, I, I think that's true. Uh, but I don't look into foreign churches that much. So I don't know. Uh, I do know that the Western church planting efforts, uh, make their way into various places though. And it kind of turns into the same types of machines, uh, in terms of what we plant mm-hmm. in foreign countries. I, Brian, I think that one of the things that's the, about what we're talking about, um, that's really important for me, Martin Luther did not set out to divide the church. That's that's true. And, you know the ninety five theses that he put up on the the door in in Wittenberg were, were not theses to say, "Hey, this church uh, is no good, and I want to leave it." He was excommunicated, and he, you know, but but that was not his intention. He wanted to help reform the church and have the conversation within the body of Christ so that he it could remain unified. So I think that's one of those things where. Um, just looking at things historically, um, you know, that, that we are, my, my heritage, I believe, uh, is, is a heritage that says the church, uh, is, is a, is a, the beautiful bride of Christ. And although there are various expressions and sometimes those expressions could be wonderful, uh, at its root. And I'm, I've been a church planter and this is where it really came to me, uh, as a church planter, uh, and I might be planting for the wrong reason because I'm hearing a lot of these brothers that I go to church planting conferences and boot camps with not talking about why they want to express Jesus, but why they 
left to go plant was because of some sort of dissatisfaction and a believing that they had no way to 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 bring change to the body of Christ that they were in. And I think that that was a matter of the the, the for a lot of people, the path of least resistance uh, and, a, and a path of least resistance that feeds our ego. So it becomes very dangerous right away. And, and no one talks about it because church planting is a is a movement that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, we need to plant more churches. We need to plant more churches. I believe that we probably need to plant plant less churches better. So, I mean, as you go to these church planting boot camps and these conferences and you run in that movement, the church planting movement, you know, like equipping, right? Equipping resources mm-hmm. and relationships mm-hmm. and networks that help to mobilize church planting. Um, mm. are, you know, are you are you seeing motives that you're not comfortable with? And, and um, is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, mine. <laughs> so I started with my own heart. You know, I... I uh, if I'm honest, you know, in 2011, when our pastor said it was time to plant a church and uh, my wife agreed that it was time for us to go and plant a church, I had to wait for that moment, right? Um, I was waiting to be released, to be sent. And, and that was, you know, because I wanted to be submitted and I wanted to do mm-hmm. uh, what I believe was biblically right, uh, even though I felt qualified before then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was hanging out with a guy that I love to this day. I love my pastor uh, from, from my church in Oregon, who, who sent who, the church that sent us. Okay. There were some fundamental differences uh, in doctrine that I thought were really important. And as I've matured in Christ— and as I look back now, I think, gosh, maybe there were some ways that we could have blessed the, that church by staying in it and having the conversations at, at an even deeper level um, and perhaps having a both end group of people. That, when I mean both end, people that could struggle with doctrine, even disagree with doctrine, but still be a, a great expression of Jesus together. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. And and there certainly is a difference. I mean, you were sent. There certainly is a difference between being sent and I went, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, but even in that, I was sent, but I had to look at my heart, especially a few years in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why am I driven to do this? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you something, brother, and it's a hard confession. I, I know it. I've seen it. I've seen it in myself and I've seen it in, in a lot of pastors. We fight the reality that we get to be on stage often. We get to be in front of people and there's not a Saturday or a Sunday that I preach where I don't get an attaboy in some way. And that feels awfully good. Where does it feel good and why? I better be asking that all the time. Mm. Yes, I think <laughs> I think you may be touching on something there that's quite close to home in the hearts of Christian leaders. Um yeah, and 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 the thing about that is that it doesn't take too long. You get to the bottom of that cereal bowl, and it's 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 kind of empty, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's, absolutely, because it's uh, it's it's the, at the root of my sin. It's that it's my sin nature, um, and and to be seen, you know, and, to be to be adulated, to you know, to be, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think about the model. I know it's an idealistic model, but I mean, I think it is a a primitive early church model, like in Acts thirteen. Uh, the church at Antioch that says at the time there were prophets and teachers there. And of course, Saul was there, who was later known as Paul, Barnabas mm-hmm. and others. And it says, as they were ministering to the Lord in prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, you know, send out Paul, Saul and Barnabas to the work to which I've called them. And thus began the first missionary journey of Paul and a whole string of church plants across across Asia Minor and into Europe eventually. But... Um, it's interesting how it came out of that womb of 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 Christocentric focus, if I could say it that way. Prayer, absolutely, prayer and fasting sure. and ministering to the Lord, and not out of any kind of selfish ambition or or um, disagreement, even right. Right. Well, you, you that's that idea, Brian. That 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 truth that you're speaking. We when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, there are. We, I, I've grown. I, God has grown me into a better, more, uh, a richer, deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit who lives in me. Mm. 
that reality is a little bit scary because doctrinally, uh, you know, there was always these discussions in my circles about whether or not the Holy Spirit was active and how. Um, instead of, you know, and so as soon as we start having that conversation, we start using human terms to do and, and, and uh, trying to contain the beauty and majesty and power of the Holy Spirit. As soon as we start putting language into that, uh, that relationship that every individual Christian has, uh, we go into, we, it's just we have to be really careful to not, not mourn the Holy Spirit, not grieve the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is absolutely, this is God I'm talking about. He, he does what he pleases. He blows like the wind. Mm. He moves where yeah. he wants. Mm-hmm. He has not changed. And we have not seen wholesale uh, for a long time, in my view, massive movements of the Holy Spirit that we would call revival mm-hmm. in this country. And I, I think that's uh, something that, uh, I mean, it hurts my heart because because God is absolutely capable of doing that. And I'm not talking about the, the, the things like uh, massive healing of everybody uh, or speaking in tongues necessarily or anything like that. I'm just talking about people being uh, submitted to the Holy Spirit. We don't know the difference between the id and the ego and the Holy Spirit Ooh, sometimes. The <laughs> difference between the id and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Uh, that, that, you know, that could be... Um, a message right there, a book. I mean, yeah. <laughs> not not just yeah. to create a book. I mean, if the Lord <laughs> were to, <laughs> you know, encourage you to create some some content which could be helpful. I mean, that is that is tremendous. The difference between the id and the Holy Ghost. Wow. Um, yeah, I yeah we we really get in the way. You know, I I think of the Old Testament verse, and and, and you know what? You may not be a church planter or a church leader, and listen, this applies to all of life, doesn't it, Craig? I mean, Absolutely, this applies sure. to how we relate to our spouse, our parenting, or if we're leading a business, if we're, you know, relating to a friend, or, you know, if we're in the neighborhood, whatever. I mean, this this applies, and, and here it is. I mean, it, it says, prepare the way for the Lord, you know. The Old Testament scripture says, prepare the way for the Lord, that the glory of the Lord may be revealed. But so many times we get in the way for the, you know, instead of preparing the way for his glory to be seen and known. And we're in the way, right? With our id and our ego and our ambition and, oh my goodness. Right. And, 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 and I think to, you know, rather than complicate this idea, I think what it goes to, it speaks to directly for me, Brian, is this idea of a gospel fluency. What that big idea of, you know, how do I know the Holy Spirit? This is the Holy Spirit working in me. I know that for me, it's a tendency towards doing less of what I want in the flesh and doing more that will make me look like Jesus. And oftentimes, it may, that means that something is going to rub up against what I prefer. Okay, and, well, quite often. Wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, what is yeah. your uh, understanding of for, quote unquote gospel fluency? So speaking the gospel into every aspect of life, every area of my life, trying, you know, it's not even the trying is a bad word, allowing the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. to work in every aspect of my life. The gospel essentially is speaking Jesus into a situation, speaking Jesus into an acting Jesus, behaving like Jesus in every situation that I find myself in, both individually and then trying to do that as a church. Where So if we're doing that as a body, um, the expression, it's, the ultimate expression of what's coming out is an expression that's going to look like Jesus, not any one individual that has taken the lead. And that means that all of us have to succumb to, we're not going to get what we want. We're going to get what God wants, and it's going to be better than what we want. Yeah, better than what we want. Do you find that if we put down what we naturally want, maybe from the soul level, and go with what Jesus wants coming from more of a core spirit level, are you saying that we actually find out that, hey, that is really what I wanted to begin with, that is really good? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, that's process, that's maturation, and that's sanctification over time. I still fight unbelief every day. 
I don't believe Jesus is who he says he is in a particular context. Like, yeah, like give uh, us an example know. of that, Craig. Okay, well, I ride a motorcycle. Riding a motorcycle is it can be dangerous uh, just just for a simple fact. Your people don't see you, you know. Mm-hmm. And so there's a risk that I take getting on my bike. And if I get cut off on a motorcycle, I get very angry. I mean, there's a surge of adrenaline. I, you know, I'm just I'm just mad yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. and I'm angry with the driver who didn't see me. Jesus tells me that that person who didn't see me might be a goodwilled person, wasn't trying to kill me, and just relax, I've got you. You are mine. You are mine whether you wreck on a motorcycle or not. You know your eternal value. You know your eternal your eternal state. Mm. Don't trip. Mm. Let that person pass. Let them have their way. There's no need to flip them off. There's no need to honk your horn. Breathe. Breathe. Let me be God. <laughs> and so – um, that, you know, that's uh, one of those things where, you know, there's just, man, gee, what what is Jesus telling me about the human being who just cut me off? Not that they're an SOB murdering, trying to kill me on my motorcycle. They're, Jesus says, no, that's a life that I created that's a, that yeah. needs to know that I exist yes. and that I love them. Okay. Wow. So that is an example of like, you know, I... I'm I'm working through the book again by Watchman Nee, The Normal Christian Life. Mm, yeah. Are, are you familiar with that yeah. book by yeah, Watchman sure. Nee? I mean, sure. it's enough to undo you, you know. I read it years ago and I'm I'm going through it again and I was just reading actually this morning where he was saying that, you know, we do so many things from a soulical level, you know, and we can't serve Christ from a soul level. We have many ideas, many plans, many schemes, you know, many ways of reacting and you know, our perceived rights have been violated mm-hmm. and such. And we come from a soul level, which there's no blessing in. And, and, it, and it's like we really, this is what I mean about getting in the way of the of the real Jesus kingdom flow that is available. And, um, and he says that we need the cross in our life. Mm. We need the ongoing work of the cross. Jesus said, you cannot be my disciples unless you take up your cross. The cross is not just a one-off experience when we first come to the Lord of Atonement, right? Right, right, Craig? right. But it's an ongoing, working dynamic in our life of dying to ourselves mm-hmm. and uh, allowing. That's the way we allow the spirit of life in Christ Jesus to be more, more progressively revealed on our behalf, as, as well as the behalf of those we influence. Right. And um, so this 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 cross thing is always at work, isn't it? Absolutely. And, I, and, and it's, it's, it's always at work. The cross is always at work. And we do a fairly poor job generally in the church in America of helping people to put to, to wear the cross. We don't see discipleship as, this, as understanding. I have to help a younger brother or younger sister who I'm discipling. I have to walk them into what does it feel like to wear the cross? I've never worn it before. Now I'm saved. And if I treat that salvation as now, here's your salvation. Now let me teach you all about the rules and regulations that you could follow, all the power that you get, all these other these add-ons to your life without teaching you how to wear a cross. I, I'm, I'm doing a disservice to you as a disciple maker. It's like being an X-Men and not, and not understanding your superpower, mm. right? I mean, it says the cross is the power of God. Right. If you want the power and the life, it comes mm. through the working of the cross in our life, right? Right, right. So what do you mean about wearing the cross? I mean, many people wear a cross. What What do you mean by yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Many people wear a cross around their neck, and it's a beautiful adornment, right? So um, it's a pretty – so this is the most wretched, sinful act in, in, the, in the world has ever seen. <laughs> really? Putting, putting Jesus Christ on the cross was the, was the most horrific sin that any of the world has ever seen. And at the same time, it was the most beautiful act of love that the world has ever seen. Mm. Yes. So as we take that cross that, that, and understand what happened on the cross uh, some 2,000 years ago, then, you know, so first to understand the gospel, the, the implications of the gospel for, for ourselves and the world, 
the application of those implications, so the, the imperatives that come out of that indicative is all of the work that Christ has done and, and is doing. The, 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 in the behavior that changes in that, uh, it, it, we what I believe we have to understand is that be, those behavioral changes, mm-hmm. we can skip to them pretty quickly without understanding the weight of our need to be changed mm. in every aspect of our life. So, so wearing the cross. Does that look like trying will, to do it in your own strength? Right. Like, and, and, that, and not thinking about what has been done, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need to then behave better. You don't need to behave better. You need to understand that you are now, a, you are now in Christ. What does it mean to be in mm. Christ yeah. in everything? What does it mean to be in Christ when my children are driving me and my wife nuts simultaneously <laughs> and we both want to pull our hair out? Yeah, yeah. Come to me. Come to me like little children. I'm coming to you like a little child. Dad, I have snot on my nose. I know you have a suit on. I'm going to get it all dirty and I'm going to make a mess of you because I just fell and I'm crying right before you're going to this appointment. I'm going to get you filthy. Well, what is that? So how do I how do I maintain that I am I am I am in Christ in that very moment? Mm. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're in him. So, yeah. I mean, Paul said that one died, therefore all died. Our old nature died with Christ, right? Mm. But we have to practically work that out, don't we? On a right. daily basis, the work of the cross in our life in a practical, concrete way. Absolutely. In every aspect of our lives. And, and to, to under, when we start to understand that, we will have, uh, for me, I'll just put it, say, I, I, I have less strain in terms of wanting to, to change the world uh, and, and much more focus on what God is doing in me. <laughs> and if he's doing it in me, I know he can and will be doing it in every other person who calls Jesus Lord and Savior. I mean, we are the change, right? I mean, we have to we have to change at our core to to be of any any use in changing anything else, right? Uh, so, so the cross. I mean, obviously, the sequence is the cross, the empty tomb, the ascension. The cross is really a prerequisite work in our life. Would you say to living a life in which we manifest the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? You know, the resurrection dynamic. As well as living an ascended life. We are seated with Christ, yes, in heavenly places, but to practically manifest that, I mean, it takes the work of the cross, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, and it's it's so, and we're talking about metaphysical things at the same time as we're talking about what that those metaphysical things condescend to our natural state. And that's a man, we don't have any natural format for or context or framework for working that out and seeing what it looks like. So we all have, we're all, it's all a grand experiment to some degree, right? Mm. But yeah, we're learning. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, to be a disciple of Christ means to be a learner, a pupil, but it also means to replicate Jesus, to imitate him as, as the great, the great teacher. And so gospel, gospel fluency, just like you would be fluent in a new language, it's the capacity to, you're saying to 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 speak the reality of Christ and the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, mm-hmm. into into, bro- into brokenness and into situations and. Well, that's brother. That's a so that's my that's a, I would say he's not my friend. I love the brother. He doesn't probably know me from Adam, but Jeff Vanderstelt wrote a wrote a wonderful book called Gospel Fluency. He and another brother named Caesar Kolonowski, um, at the time that I came into sort of the church planting realm, uh, were guys that were really. Uh, you know, impactful in my own life. Uh, he and Hugh Halter and Matt Smay uh, wrote a book uh, that, you know, these guys, so I'm, I'm mentioning them because I don't take any credit for, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't made this up. I'm, I'm following suit, trying to dig what those guys have been digging mm-hmm. uh, alongside me in their own, in their own lives, mm-hmm. understanding that, bro- you know, speaking into brokenness and my own first and then to other people. Yes. My own first. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, this is, um, I mean, I, I have to believe, I, I do believe that the Holy Spirit is seeking to level up the body of Christ overall. It's a, it's a, 
my friend uses the term brutal. You know, it's a brutal <laughs> process. You know, it's brutal <laughs> and beautiful. There's, there's, That's it's, great. It's, a, it's a mess. But we have to believe that even with like these authors, these writers, these practitioners, I'm sure they're practitioners that you're referring to that, that you know, they, the Lord works this deeply in their lives and then they're able to communicate that to others, give others an opportunity to, to come up as well. Right. Um, so yes, talk to me about your burden then for the church. You're talking about the church being like, you used the term in a conversation, bifurcated segments of the church or niche, um, where we tend to coalesce around likeness, right? right. People like us. And, but then even in some cases, like little fiefdoms or fiefdoms can be created, you know, um, sort of a medi- yeah. medieval picture there, right? A little, uh, some kind of a king or something. But um, uh, obviously, the Lord is valuing oneness and and uh, koinonia. I mean, the Trinity is completely at one with each other, and they invite us into their oneness. And the Lord is expecting us to be one with each other. I mean, what, what's the what's the answer here, Craig? Boy, you know, Brian, I wish I could say that I had the answer. We need this Um, answer in in 60 seconds, Craig. Just No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, so Christ, and in saying that, it it truly is that Christ is the answer. Um, At the same time, so let's just talk about, like, uh, for as a a really broad example Mm -hmm. and an important example, I think, for our day, uh, the black church versus the American white church, right? there is, there is and has been a need, a deep need uh, in this country for uh, African people of African-American descent to have a place, a safe place to, to gather and to love Jesus and love one another um, in, in Christ. And unfortunately, sadly, mm. uh, the American uh, white church uh, was part of the problem. That's our history. So, you know, yeah. Be very frank, right? So yeah. yeah, we have to be honest about that. Now, some 400 years later, when I say 400 years later, I'm talking about the, you know, the day, the earliest days of slave, earlier days of slavery and slave ships and okay. coming to this country. Sure. So Christ and the black church, uh, it was a need in this country. Uh, absolutely. Now, now, in, in, in 2019 America, is there really a need for a black church? Mm. And I would ask the white church and the black church, I would love to see those conversations be had in a really difficult way. We have got to, in my opinion, get to the root and and it's going to take repentance on I think on both sides but but a lot of that olive branch has to be has to be extended in in ways that will automatically change the complexion and the and the orientation of a mostly white church mm. because we're talking about expressions of faith and it's now easy for us to say that expression of faith is not mine. They have their place. I don't want to share. But my experience, just again, personally, if I go to a black church that's, that's singing gospel music and clapping on the two and four um, and having a celebration in Christ, mm-hmm. and, and I don't ever experience that, you know, because I'm listening to Newsboys or whatever, you know, uh, you know, whatever, Lincoln Brewster, whatever, sort of you know, sort of more white, sorry. Um, Anglo-Saxon worship, right? Yeah. 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 I am, what am I losing as a Christian? What am I not experiencing? Right. So, so again, these are, these are, this, what I'm saying right now is it's the long way about it. and, and, And it's difficult to really be able to talk about this because I know I'm, there are a lot of nuances and stuff like that, but I, I do believe that both churches lose out if we can't express our love together. And if we can't, if we don't see how one another is an express, our expressions of the gospel, we are celebrations of who Jesus is, our celebrations of the ways in which Jesus himself mm-hmm. actually changes our lives. The, the celebration of me being able to tolerate your racism for 400 years, mm. right? The celebration of putting my racism away that I didn't even know I had. Yeah. 
right? Those, those kinds of legacies. Do we, well, we don't even have many, I don't see a lot of conversations about that. And we don't see many examples or models of congregations, right? right that are truly interracial, like right. Caucasian, black, Asian, whatever it may be, Hispanic, you know, do you, right. do you feel that a congregation, a company of believers that is integrated in a God way that there is, I, I, I want to say the ceiling goes higher on the kingdom there. What can be done? Um, man, brother, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. Um, if, I don't you, you don't know. have to necessarily agree with it, but yeah. what, what, I mean, what do you feel? I mean, like, like when you look at the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit, I know the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts two and there was, it says men from every nation and in, in Jerusalem at the time, a festival and, and, um, but can we look, should, should we be looking to that as sort of a prototype or a template of, of, of what, of that, of that principle of interracial integrating? I think so. I, I really do think so. I think that humbles us all. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes uh, my preferences and makes them secondary mm-hmm. uh, for the in, in my operating system. That might not be true for everybody. Um, and again, that's just one way. Uh, it's a pretty obvious way, in my opinion, where we see a divided church um, and where there's such necessary healing to be done. Uh, and, and increasingly what I'm seeing is movements like the woke movement. And uh, the woke movement is not a bad thing. Um but it, I, I don't know if you've heard or seen that, but mm-hmm. it's an expression of um, what's been wrong, but, uh, you know, what's, what's been wrong with the church, some of the ways in which uh, the, the African-American community uh, yeah. needs to find its own healing. Again, um, how do we make that, how do we help to integrate movements like that? And is that movement even necessary in the church itself? And so, you know, we're talking about ethnicity divisions, and then we're talking about preference divisions. I have to look in my own context. I lead a biker church. Why is there a biker church? Is there there's a biker church because bikers themselves did not feel welcomed in particular contexts with more buttoned up sort of uh, gatherings mm. um, where if they are coming in their leathers or their chains and, and their, 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 their beards and whatnot, um, they didn't feel welcomed, right? If I'm in Christ and if I'm truly in Christ, so if I'm truly a, a child of the king, can I go into a place that's loving Jesus where they don't know how to love me and withstand the, the, the lack of reception enough to stay put, right? Hmm. Now, that, so that's on me. Now it's also on the, the body that didn't welcome me. Can we handle this, what appears to be a person that's not like me enough to add some flavor to our gathering? Mm-hmm. So if that's true, if, if that's true that Christ does that for us, why doesn't it happen more? Right? Why do I? Because me as a leader, I want to say, come follow me. I'll come. I'll, you can come and hang out with people like me and like you. And you don't even have to worry about being accepted over there. We will automatically accept you here. That could be the answer, but I'm not sure it's the best answer. And even as I say that, I could be out of a job tomorrow. Right. So so I got to be really careful. It's, this is something we're going to massage over time. Change takes takes time. But I want to but I'm willing to at least say it and explore it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I you know I would hate to sound cynical, but I tell you, I think that with some of the corporate ways and, and the business growth ways that churches are planted in, in the church growth movement is that they target a segment. They target a demographic. You know, mm-hmm. and they feel that that is the best way to grow is to it's almost like a business. You have a certain customer persona and you're targeting a product to that mom who's 25 to 40 years old. Right. Right. And and much of that is leached into the church world. And mm-hmm. so but it, this has nothing to do with koinonia. It has nothing to do with Jesus prayer in John 17, that we would be one even as he and the father are one, you know. The, the incredible diversity, and um, we can't do ecclesiology like corporate business, can we? 
I I don't think so. I mean, uh, I, I, mean I mean, fundamentally, I'm I mean, I'm I'm there may be some principles that can be applied, but as a framework or as a fundam, you know, in essence, we can't do ecclesiology like like uh, like business, can we? No, because it's it's in reverse. We begin to ask the questions about who Jesus is and how the gospel implications uh, are applied only after we've decided the context, right? Mm. So I'm going to market to X, Y, or Z, and as I market to them, I'm going to bring Jesus into that rather than you know the, the, so rather than put on my cross, bear my cross, right? Because my my calling is to bring unity to the body of Christ, so my questions, my my context, my worldview is changed from the gate, so that the question of marketing to a segment is not even in my framework anymore. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's for all whosoever will, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Wow, right. Craig, I really appreciate this so much. This this concept of gospel fluency. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never heard that phrase before. Um, and it, it's helping me to understand that particular kingdom initiative of of becoming intentional mm-hmm. about about speaking the gospel and speaking Christ and the kingdom into real brokenness, the longings that people carry. And um, I can certainly understand and relate to what you're talking about is these these bifurcated segments of the church and niche churches. And and I just want to. It's it's my personal conviction that in a city or in a region, that there is a ceiling which can be elevated or lowered, and it's based. It's it's tied to the people of God. It's mm-hmm. tied to uh, dynamics of unity and prayer together and relatedness and really koinonia. Um, I don't know, man. I think the Holy Spirit paints a target of koinonia and, and, and that's where its greatest firepower comes it seems to me just in reading the book of acts but right wow so you're continuing yeah. to pursue these themes in your in your doctorate studies even as while you pastor yes especially especially while i pastor mm-hmm. because now that we have a group of uh people that that kind of are have an affinity for one another What's going to happen when when that obvious affinity uh, is not there, is not pre- presented when a certain type of person on the outside starts coming to the church? We have a university here, for instance, and let's say I just have some conversations with some young people at this university and they start coming. They don't ride a motorcycle. Uh, do they and can they belong there while we have fun riding and reach and still reach the people we wanted to reach in those other clubs and whatnot. How is that going to play out? I don't know, but I, but I'm going to uh, allow myself to make those efforts wherever I'm at. We have a, we have a population here that's over 50% Latino in, 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 and Spanish speaking. So what happens when we start sharing the gospel in those neighborhoods and they start coming to this church? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? And I, I'm really interested in seeing that. I just I just got here a few weeks ago, uh, so the experiment is mm-hmm. uh, you know is just, not just starting it, yeah. fully underway. But I'm 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 excited about it because what I'm not saying when I do this is everybody's wrong. I'm saying let's experiment with the fullness of Christ together. Mm. What does it look like to be gospel-centered in the context with which we live, in which we live? What does it look like to pick up our cross and to follow Christ in all aspects of our lives, where where we work, uh, where we uh, where we uh, hang out, who we hang out with? Uh, what does it look? What's it going to look like? when we really do that in every aspect of our lives. Mm. Man, so appreciate that. Hey, Craig, could you pray? Could you just pray a, a prayer that would um, target target this area that we're talking about? Oh, it would be my privilege, brother. Lord, and I, Lord, first and foremost, thank you for being our God. 
mm. for beckoning us and, and for drawing us near so that we might call Jesus the Lord and Savior of our lives. Make that true in me today. Make that true in Brian and in our families today for us. And as this conversation goes forth, Lord, if I have said anything that is uh, uh, apostate, that is heretical, that is nonsensical, you will deafen any ear that might come across those words. But if there is anything that you would like to communicate to the body of Christ through what we've spoken about here today, Lord, let it go forth in, in, in grand ways. Let it, let it go into the ears of people who need to know that they are free to express the gospel everywhere and in every aspect of their lives, and that you, Lord Jesus, are Lord of our finances, you're Lord of our parenting, you're Lord of our lives in every part of our lives. Make that true in every church, in every nation, in every soul across the world or around the world. We want to see your church unified here on earth as we will see it in heaven. Yeah. Yeah, Lord, we agree with that. We just pray Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1 for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ. Christ truly would be known and revealed in his body from the neck down. We're on the earth. And we ask for your revelation, and we ask that you would encourage us to take baby steps on these edges. Begin to pray yes, for them Lord. and take baby steps and um, begin to move in these areas that we're discussing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, Craig, I appreciate all of this, Craig, and we have to keep the conversation going, man. Yeah. Keep keep yeah. talking and hearing what's happening and uh, even, you know, offline and off podcasting. Let's continue hearing what's happening. Maybe we need to gather with Frank again someday soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brother. Hey, man, I am so stoked for what's God, what God's doing through you, brother. And I, I really am praying for you regularly so that uh, your influence well, and, and Christ's you so influence much. Yeah. Goes, goes forth, brother. Yeah. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. It's, it's, oh, thank you so much for being on. And we're going to see that as many people can hear this as possible. And one of the great things about podcast episodes is they're evergreen. They're always there. People can find it down the line. You know, six, 12 months and more later. So, um, yeah, Craig. Well, God bless you this weekend. It's Resurrection Weekend. Have a great weekend, okay? All right. God bless you, brother. Thank you so All much. All right. God bless you, See Craig. You, Brian. All right. You can visit JesusSmart.com to see the show notes page for this episode. We'll have links there. Sign up to receive a free weekly email for next level ideas and practice to advance as a Christ follower. We're all developing. We're all seeking to be on the grow. We, we believe we live in important times. We want to position ourselves to harmonize with Jesus' story and his plan for our lives. As always, with Jesus, our horizon is smart. Find your storyline in the royal narrative. Make it a smart week. All the best until next time.